Welcome back. Have you ever wondered why sometimes it feels so difficult to just feel well? Well, you're not alone in that. There are actually barriers to the overall sense of well-being as it's defined by the study of positive psychology. And today I'm going to dive into just those things and help you get clear on how to get past them. So I'll jump right into this today. Right? So there are a number of barriers that exist as it pertains to the study of consistent positive psychology. Right? Psychology was originally founded, right? and founded would be the bad, a bad term, Right, if we go back to Freudian psychology, that was essentially the study of things that were wrong with us. Right, that was the case study of the individuals that were originally there. But then over time, that has progressed. Right, you start getting into more and more brilliant individuals that have studied the way the human brain and human psyche works. And there's been this emergence of positive psychology. Right, That we can use the tools that exist inside of psychology as a construct and help pour fuel on a fire that's burning as it pertains to the positive aspects of our emotions. I don't know about you, but I like to feel good versus feel bad, right? It's, it's not inherently fun to me to feel off, to feel down, to feel low. And so if you're someone that likes to feel that way, this probably isn't the episode for you. You probably should tune out, but I'm going to operate under the assumption that you like to feel good. And one of the first things to be holding you back from that is actually negativity bias. That is, by definition, your and my tendency to pay more attention and give more weight to the negative rather than to the positive emotion. Now, from an evolutionary perspective, this actually makes perfect sense when you think about it. You see, you and I would not have survived as species had we not been finely attuned to notice the actual dangers and risks all around us. However, that's not the reality of our life anymore. Even though the media might tell us it is. This inbuilt negativity bias has been proven to get in the way of our overall well-being. So one of the quickest ways to shift through this is to, for the next 48 hours, make a conscious effort to notice and focus on the good things in your life first. As you practice this over and over with consistency, you will start to shift your awareness from the negative to the positive. See, we as a species as well, I feel like, dramatically overcomplicate some of the most simple things in the world. It's like, all right, if there's negativity bias, there's got to be some massively long journey to get to a positivity bias. And while the journey might be long, it doesn't have to necessarily be difficult. It's just simply focusing on the positives with an acute awareness. And to focus on them instantly. The, other, the next part of this would be uh, duration neglect. And another way to say that is essentially 
that the duration of an experience should influence how we feel about it and how we remember it. Right, a two-week holiday in the sun would feel twice as good as a one-week holiday in the sun. And the opposite of that would be, of course, a 20-minute dental procedure would feel twice as bad as a 10-minute dental procedure. However, duration neglect actually states something different. Factors that are more important than time are the intensity of the peak positive or negative emotion and how the experience ends. So it's how we walk away from that thing is how we remember it. So that means if we want to increase our overall well-being, we should deliberately look for ways to end experiences on high notes. This can be incredibly simple if you allow it to be. If you have a series of unappealing tasks to do, do the least pleasant one first and leave the most pleasant till last. If, you, if at work your team is discouraged by failing to finish a particular task on time, remember to remind them about all the tasks they have completed up until that moment. Say something like, well, at least we've got the hardest part of the job done now. On leaving work at the end of a week, wish all your colleagues a truly great weekend. Challenge yourself to reframe the negative experiences or bad experiences you have in any moment into a positive one where you can grow and learn from it. During the next week, if you simply were to make a conscious effort to end all experiences on a high note, you'll begin to notice the difference it makes almost instantaneously. The third part of this equation that is going to slow down your positive psychology growth ends up being social comparison. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but there was a term that I know I heard as a young man that is keeping up with the Joneses. Right? Your next door neighbors buy a new car, so... Can you buy a new car yourself? And is your new car nicer, more expensive, more luxurious? See, if we buy things to keep up with the Joneses, it means we're not doing it on a necessity, but as a way of maintaining our social status. So I have a question for you. Which of these two worlds would you yourself rather live in? World A, where you earn $50,000 a year, and almost all others earn $25,000 a year. Or world B, where you earn $100,000 a year. And others earn $250,000 a year. In the majority of the research that's been conducted by almost every major university, the majority of the participants in the studies answered they would rather earn $50,000 a year while everybody else earned twenty-five. dollars meaning they would chop off their nose to spite their face. They're going to earn half as much as long as they feel like they're the king of a small castle. So if we see people around us, usually friends, family, colleagues, relatives, buying more or better stuff than us, it makes us feel worse about our lives. The easiest way to shift past this is in the next week to make a deliberate effort to compare yourself with those who are worse off than you and to truly appreciate how lucky you are. In other words, when you're sitting in traffic and you look to the left and you see the shiny new 
insert here car. And you're like, man, that guy, that, that guy's just got it going on. Pay attention to look to the right and see the car that's 10 years older than yours that they would love to have your car. The fourth barrier ends up being referred to as a hedonic treadmill. So there's some bad news and some good news here. The bad news is, think of the last time you made a big purchase. Maybe the last time you got a pay raise. Last time you got a brand new car where the company you purchased it yourself. And remember how happy it made you feel. Now think how long you stayed excited and happy for. Was it a week? A few days? Maybe a month? In all likelihood, it probably wasn't really that long. We adapt, right? We get used to things. Where the things we buy or positive experiences, they become the new norm. So the hedonic treadmill means that in reality, there's little point in experiencing or expecting shopping and material goods to raise your well-being permanently. They're just going to be short incremental boosts. Sadly, this adaptation principle also applies to other experiences or circumstances, like getting married, entering into a new relationship. So then what would the potential good news be, right? If there's bad news, there has to be good. So on the other hand, this process of psychological adaptation also applies to the unfavorable circumstances that exist in your life as well. That essentially means that if bad things happen, we will feel worse in the short or medium term before eventually coming back to our baseline or set point of happiness. However, in all the research that I've been able to read, it has been proven over and over again that our reset point is much quicker for positive things than it is for negatives. So there should be two takeaways from this. The first is you should expect the boost you get from positive experiences to wear off pretty quickly. The second is that over the long term, it's worthwhile investing and investigating other more sustainable routes to well-being. Happiness then is going to have to come from inside versus external. And the fifth barrier that I have found that exists is the lack of self-control. This could be referred to as self-regulation. This refers to our ability to control our impulses and channel our efforts in a way that will allow us to reach a particular goal. Now, you're not alone if you believe you to have low self-control. One study of the 24 character strengths of 83,000 adults found that self-regulation or self-control to be the second from the bottom. Think about that. The ability to follow through and to do the things that you committed to do for yourself out of 24 things ranked 22nd in the least likely to get pulled off. That's crazy, isn't it? But contrary to popular views that happiness results in giving into our natural desires, a bunch of psychology studies have shown that higher self-control is actually linked to higher well-being. So it makes perfect sense to find ways to increase your self-control. Fortunately for you and I, right, and I was the king of not having self-control. Right, anabolics? I'll take them. Unfaithfulness? Uh, sign me up. 
Cheating on diets? Sure, why not? I had no self-control. But luckily, self-control is like a muscle that the more you practice it, the stronger it gets. So, a way to do this is to find an activity which requires self-control, but you are motivated to do. What this could be is something as simple as keeping a tally of your daily expenses in a notebook or on your phone. Maybe something like always being consciously aware of your posture and correcting it when you begin to slouch. It could be something as simple as tracking what you eat. It could be even, if you're musically inclined, practicing scales on the piano or singing for 10 minutes a day. So what are the takeaways that I'd like you to have today? I want to give you actionable things. These are super simple. These are direct. These are bullet points, and I hope you apply them because they, these are the things that we cover in the Mindset Matters group that meets on Wednesdays. If you're interested in joining the Mindset Matters group, please feel free. Go to Facebook, type in Mindset Matters, maybe by the S7 business system. It is a paid group, right? It's $97 a month for more tactical information than this, but nonetheless, information that matters. So the takeaways, we naturally give negative emotions, experiences, and information more attention than positive ones. Negative and positive experiences of roughly the same importance do not cancel each other out. Generally, the negative experiences will affect you more. There's a saying that all is well that ends well. That's actually true. Try to ensure the negative events and experiences end on a high note. Comparing yourself upwards is likely to reduce your well-being. Compare yourself downwards to likely increase it. Novelty almost always wears off in every situation. And self-control is like a muscle. It improves with consistent and diligent practice. These simple things, right? Personal development is inherently not a difficult process. It's simple in its basis doesn't mean it's easy. doesn't mean it flows naturally. But also doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you because you're looking for something better. One of the places I found that has consistently provided resources such as this is the Human Potential Institute. Right? That's humanpotentialinstitute.com. If you'd be so kind to use my link for tracking, it's humanpotentialinstitute.com forward slash optimize. We're going to get a bunch more information on all the stuff that they have to offer. There's a plethora of information that Dr. Mark Atkinson has created around mindset, the mind-body connection, consciousness, awareness, even how to phrase conversations so that everyone is heard. I highly, highly recommend that you go take a look at humanpotentialinstitute.com with my link forward slash optimize. And then, of course, if you're curious about biohacking, nootropics, research chemicals and peptides, things to help you sleep better, things to help you recuperate better, things to take away some of the muscle pain and soreness that might have existed from not working out the right way over the years. My good friends over at Optimized Peptides have you covered. See, Optimized Peptides uses only the highest quality double-tested peptides to ensure the truly best, most effective doses on the marketplace. I've been using optimized peptides now for the past eight weeks and have seen truly phenomenal, phenomenal results. 
I'll be posting my pictures in the next two or three weeks where you will see that my body composition has changed dramatically by simply incorporating their products into my daily regimen. Do me a favor, head over to optimizepeptides.com. If you're looking for additional insight and information, simply send an email to their customer support saying you heard me discuss them on the show and you're looking for a custom protocol. They will help you out through and through. I'm Ryan Idell, wishing you truly unlimited success.